Welcome to this light conversation with me, Bhaskar Goswami. Insights and inspirations that leave you feeling lighter than when you arrived. Greetings, beloved, delightful beings. I'm happy to share with you another light conversations with Bhaskar Goswami. I'm truly honored, grateful, and enthusiastic about introducing my next guest, Satyan Raja, CEO and founder of Warrior Sage Trainings. I can speak volumes about Satyan's achievements and bodies of work. He has worked with some of the elite corporate leaders in the world, helping their organizations up-level. He's also worked with uh, countless people over his 40 years of experience in these higher consciousness sciences and studies, which to me, I consider him to be a true savant in this field. He's also has a training program called Accelerated Evolution, which I'm honored to be a part of. And again, hundreds of people have benefited from these trainings. So without any further ado, let's dive right in, dear Satyanji. So happy to be here with you. Oh, wonderful, Bhaskar. Wonderful. Always a blessing and an honor. I'm just going to give our dear viewer listener a brief history about how we came into contact. I've been studying the inner sciences for a couple of decades, particularly from the Eastern perspective. When I discovered your body of work, I was so profoundly touched. Uh, it was in such tremendous resonance with all that I'd already studied. It just deepened it and broadened it to such an extent it has heightened my capacity as a human being and my ability to serve. just want to start off by acknowledging and appreciating that. Thank you, Bhaskar. You know, with your background and depth of experience, I'm so glad you're able to recognize the depth, the nuance of accelerated evolution in our body of work. Very few people can see that because they don't have that breadth and width, but because you do, I was very excited when you were able to get, ah, this is what they're doing. And so... I'm very grateful for that. Actually, let's do that. I, I would love for our viewer listener to dive into some of the foundational principles behind this body of work. The first thing that intrigued me is I was always aware of how precious our attention is. In all my previous classes and studies, I've always said the two most powerful things we have are attention, intention. In your body of work, it starts with the understanding of what's called trapped units of attention and how this could jam up our flow and create struggle in our lives. Maybe we can start with just exploring how attention can get trapped in our bodies and in our lives. That's a, that's a great question. The frame that I look at all of this from is from the philosophy of the warrior sage, timeless ancient principles. And for me, the warrior sage way of being is a way to live life in congruency, alignment, wisdom, love, truth, enlightened power. So for me, the understanding of intention and attention from that perspective as a warrior in martial arts and self-defense and warring times and times of duress and times of challenge, where our attention is and the quality of our attention, the depth, the centeredness of our attention, the equanimity within our attention is paramount. Mm -hmm. If we lose that centeredness, if we lose that groundedness of attention and we become myopic under duress or stress or struggle or strain or overwhelm all of our attention contracts and then what happens is we make decisions from this contracted state we have fear become evoked 
Our mammalian deeper brain center becomes evoked because we're in the fight, flight, fear type of response or shutdown response. Mm. So it's very valuable in the warrior sage way of being to cultivate awareness of where is our attention being placed and to recognize that our attention is our most valuable asset. We're in an attention economy, it's been called now. There's every single force trying to get our attention, hook us up, hook us in with whatever momentums they want us to be a part of or whatever adherence they wish us to be part of. Absolutely. As you speak, I'm reminded when I was an engineer way, way back in the day, I remember I was called into the boardroom. This time I was a, like a senior design engineer. And uh, the director asked me to just offer some numbers as to how we were progressing at quarter. I had the numbers in my mind, but because of the pressure and the what ifness, <laughs> and people are watching me, I just felt so st stuck in my body. It just completely drained my intelligence, my creativity, my contact with reality. I just remember feeling that stuckness in my body. I believe this is a concept that we're referring to in this body of work as charge. I'd, I'd like to explore what we mean when we use this word charge. Absolutely. Charge is, in essence, it's energy that's locked up in ourselves from any type of negative experience or overwhelming experience. It could be even a positive experience. Charge are units of energy that are lodged within or held within our image center. So the images that we see right now, you, me, the rooms that we're in, our internal images, that's one center of our dimension. Then we have thoughts. We've all heard, we have many reoccurring thoughts every day. The thinking that I'm doing now, the thinking you're doing, the thinking we're all doing, that's the realm of thought. And there's a realm of emotions, how we feel about things, our emotions related to things. There's higher vibrational ones, and there's ones that spin us down, emotions. And then there's body sensation, our tacit body, our bones, our muscles, our aches, our pains, our breath, tensions we have. Charge, if we've had some type of negative experience in the past, betrayal, we've lost our businesses, we've had challenges here and there, traumas, they get lodged in the images, the thoughts, the emotions, and the body level of our being. And so charges when it's trapped there. When it's trapped, we're looking through filtered eyes. We're looking through the eyes of this charge, this upset. We're not looking through clear, open eyes. We're always being skewed and taken off our clarity because of those internal repressed, stacked up charges. So it's essential in the warrior sage way of being to find where are those charges? How are they holding us up in life? Resolve those charges, bring them back into oneness, heal them, bring them back into integrity, and to integrate those charges. And then what happens after that is we enter a state of flow, natural inherent wisdom, the Tao, the higher centers of our being. So charge contracted stuff within us. Mm. Integrate that charge, we become free, we become the whole human we're meant to be. When I learned about this through your body of work, it was a mind-expanding experience. We are aware of the objective reality, the stuff around us that happens to us. And now there's this very clear way of understanding a subjective reality. You can see the reality under our skin of thoughts, images, emotions, body sensations. So when we look at something like anger, for example, 
there's a thought, you know, why Ayara? There is an image of the person behaving inappropriately. There's a meaning we're giving the emotion and the body sensation that comes with it. What I'm learning is to make contact with that level of reality at the subjective realm. This is another very important principle, the principle of contact. That's something else I would love to explore with you. You know, contact, connection, oneness, unity, wholeness. In the spiritual traditions, they all talk about oneness. Oneness, that there is no separation in the ultimate sense of our unified relationship. That any sense of separation is somehow an obscuration of truth. It's an illusion from our mind, our ego, all these things generate that illusion of separation. Contact is connection. We have actual practices and cultivations that you know, that you've been practicing and sharing, that help bridge the distance between people, partners in love relationships, families, business partners, business colleagues, leaders, C-suite teams, CEOs, world leaders. What we're truly lacking is genuine real contact and connection to me the essence of contact is my soul connecting with your soul not just my mind mm -hmm. not just my thoughts not just our intellects not just our roles as business leaders as husbands wives friends brothers sisters it's not just the roles it's the true self reaching and connecting with the true self of others mm -hmm. the quality of that depth of true self to true self connection I call contact, sacred connection. This, I feel, is essential to foster, not only in our homes, but in our workplaces, in our leadership circles. Because mm -hmm. contact is the carrier wave of transformation. It's the sacred secret behind all transformation, behind all growth, behind all expansion, genuine connection, soul to soul, being to being. Beautiful. I'm seeing that also as the the deep contact with myself, my subjective reality, contact with the person I'm with, my interpersonal contact, and also contact with life itself as a sentient being. I'm reminded of Dr. Wayne Dyer. He expressed something beautiful. He said, when you squeeze an orange, what are you going to get? You're going to get grape juice? No. You're going to get mango juice? No. You can only get orange juice. So when we're squeezed, only what's inside of us can come out. Usually when life is a sweet breeze, summer song, we're all delightful beings. But when we get squeezed, what's inside of us comes out. Often that remains unexamined until we get squeezed. Yet in these methodologies, there's a process of duplication that allows us to deal with all those things when we're not squeezed. So when we are squeezed, the highest essence and highest version of who we are comes out. And I'd love to, again, linger with you around this principle of duplication and how potent that is for alleviating stucknesses and the unresolved trauma in our body and our lives. Duplication for me is the essence of the deepest aspects of psycho-spiritual emotional healing. To me, it's the deepest core. Duplication is little known, mostly secret. It's embedded indirectly in sacred ancient teachings and such, but it's not as explicit in pragmatic use. What duplication says and the principle of duplication is Let's say I had a trauma from years ago. A business partner absconded over a quarter million dollars from me. That hurt hard. It stung when I found out. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I felt betrayed by someone so close. 
And that lodged in me. And I had a somatic shutdown for weeks because that was years of my earning to be able to set that aside. And to have that stolen was like a shock to my soul and my being and my body, images-wise, thought-wise, emotions-wise, and my body all took a serious kick. Now, I'm sure there's folks here who've had a serious kick and upset. It could be personal levels, professional levels. We all have had these type of challenges, right? A challenge shows up as images, thoughts, emotions, and body sensations when we come back to those aspects within ourselves. Duplication is the process of finding out when I got harmed, hurt, upset. That very moment I found out that I was robbed, basically. That was a shocking moment. That gets suspended and lodged in the nervous system, once again, in images, thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. Duplication is going back to the original circumstance, not through talk therapy or sharing or speaking about it, but duplicating in your consciousness the exact image, the exact thought that went on, the exact emotions, as best you can recall, and the exact body sensations. We already know this. We can feel it. Our body knows it when we go there. And by feeling those experiences fully in their original formation, what happens is those knots of contraction and charge open up and they become illuminated and they return back to source, to oneness. They integrate back into being. What was a chain around someone's ankle, you know, you see these elephants when they're older, they've got a thin rope around their leg, but they still think they're chained. It's an unconscious thing. In the same way, these charges are unconsciously holding us back. Mm -hmm. The integration is taking off that rope, taking off that chain and returning it to its owner. <laughs> and when that happens, we are free. We realize we're much bigger, much more spacious, much more real, and much more capable. Now, imagine if that was happening in our families, and imagine if that's happening in organizations, in our leadership in our organizations. We're going to have a spectacular world that's spiraling upward rather than heading towards further devastation. Devastation, chaos, confusion. I'm reminded of a cliche, and it's dead on point. You've got to feel it to heal it. The skill of duplication is in guiding the process of really recreating those four elements of thoughts, images, emotions, body sensations. There's something about just being aware of the recreation already implies a disidentification. So the healing is almost begun already in just the duplication itself. I'm also cognizant of another very powerful, potent principle in this body of work, which is that of polarity. So I was recently with a client. She's a creative director of her company. The company is really pushing her. She feels the stress and overwhelm of having to produce. And she's feeling the tension between being productive and being creative. So this notion of two things coexisting and pulling someone apart, uh, let's explore together this notion of what a polarity is and how we can release the charge around this sort of pulling effect in the body. So... <clears throat> In the East, we talk about duality or polarity. These are when two fundamental ideas, ways of being, thoughts, impressions are antagonistic. Well, they can be complementary or antagonistic. In the Chinese system, we have the yin and yang, which are complementary opposites, the image of the complementary opposites. But sometimes we can have antagonistic opposites that are push and pull, seesaw within our own 
consciousness within our own tugs, our motivations. Some are, for example, for myself, one I'm always playing within my own being is at going bigger and large, making more impact versus staying calm and quiet and enjoying a private lifestyle. So that could be one antagonism. Another antagonism is spirituality, consciousness, personal growth versus making money and having a great career and great livelihood of wealth and abundance. It could be that the imprint is, is that abundance could be bad or is against having a spiritual, conscious, awakened life. Many people have that oppositional antagonism within. They think they have to either choose either one or the other. Even if it's not conscious, it happens at a subconscious level. Another one could be fear versus courage. Should I go ahead and declare my love? Should I go ahead and go for that venture? Or should I listen to this feeling of nervousness and fear and just rest in that? These are antagonistic within our being. Through our methodology, what we do is we find where is there this conflict? And we take them through an accelerated evolution experience, which integrates the charge that's pushing away these opposites, making them even more oppositional. When that charge is fully integrated through our process, we go into a state of oneness. We go to a state of unity consciousness, a state where we're deeply peaceful and these opposites are no longer there. We're able to act in a wholeness rather than be a puppet to the inner strings of for and against. Shall I or should, shouldn't I? All these internal oppositions become resolved. This is one of the biggest secrets of making great evolutionary progress is to find where are your antagonistic oppositional charges and do the work to bring them into oneness and life just flows companies flow families flow but not from the will it comes from within spontaneously it's a, a somatic shift from struggling through it to really joyfully moving with it uh, my experience has been it just releases the charge between any craving and aversion like dislike either or and you suddenly enter into this also and state that kind of acts like a barometer of what you want to experience as you move through this polarity integration work is so so powerful so it no longer captures our ability to be in contact with reality something else i find fascinating in this body of work is the notion around identity and this very potent insight that an identity is essentially a point of view with a goal for example, I, I had a client who identified as a weary warrior, and that was what she carried around with her, this avatar of a weary warrior. That obviously takes a certain direction. And then through some processes, she was able to semantically reframe that into like a effortless, joyful magician. And then suddenly that's another identity with a different point of view and a different goal. So I'd love to speak with you about the notion of identity and how important it is, and also how malleable it is, how quickly we can put it up and down like garbs almost. So let's assume that we are true being, pure, unfettered consciousness, a divine aspect of reality, the spiritual being, if you will, that that's our true nature, which is not qualified. It doesn't have a personality structure. It generates a personality structure, but it's not. We are not personalities. 
personalities are emanations of who we are and what we are, but they're not the actuality of who we are. So we walk around as pure being, but in different roles all day. Right now, I am being interviewed. I'm in the role of a friend, someone sharing, an interviewee, a colleague. If I'm with my wife later on today, I'll be in the identity and the role of husband. When I'm going to be speaking to my son and daughter on the phone, I'm going to be in the identity and role of a father. When I'm running my businesses and I'm in my leadership position, I'm in the role of founder CEO, that identity. An identity is a viewpoint. Every viewpoint has an ultimate goal. So when I'm in the viewpoint of a father, I'm just trying to feel what my goal is. My goal is to give my children the best resources and capacity and education and, and environment to have a thriving life. When I'm in the role of CEO, personal advisor, guide, mentor, that's the identity. The goal of that identity is to arm them to become the best examples, presentations, and displays of a warrior sage leader with impeccability, clarity, heart, power, truth, the capacity to bring people together and have them all move through a noble and valiant finish line. Mm. So each identity has a goal. Now, the challenge is if we're stuck in an identity, if I'm in the identity of a business leader, and then I come home and I'm still in that identity, whereas I should be shifting to the identity of father and husband, mm. this is a common theme where a lot of business people complain. I, I can't get out, you know, I'm, I keep bringing work home. A lot of complaints about that. Or when you're at work, you can't stop thinking about the family. I need to spend more time with family and all of that. Why that's happening is because you haven't consciously shifted identities. We do it thousands of times during the day. But the more conscious we become, awake and alert to, hold on a sec. I used to do this. Now, mm -hmm. when I finish my work, I take at least half an hour off go for a walk, I'll do some breathing, I might do yoga, I might just relax, but I let go and I shut down all work. Then I say, okay. I take a refresher, a rebooter to resource myself, nature, breath. I might go into the hot tub for a bit. I might go for a walk around the block. Whatever it is to let go of that previous identity of business leader and now occupy the identity of a loving father and husband now i'll go into that i don't allow myself to have the mixed identities blending into each other i've become very clear of which one i'm animating so that i'm in congruency and integrity with the space in the relationship i'm with beautiful it's like a buffer zone between identities I remember yes. when I was an engineer, before coming back home, I used to go to the golf course and just hit a bucket on the range. And I come in as the family man. That alone could really change people's lives. Just offering a little buffer zone where you can transition from one to the other and consciously being aware of the identity that we're embodying and choosing what we want to embody. That alone is so powerful. There is also another notion that is such a key takeaway uh, for me is the notion of 
masculine feminine energies not genders separate matter energies how we all carry within us the yin the yang ida pingala these two energies inside of us and if i value myself as a conscious being with choice for me it's very important to have access to a nice spectrum of choice very often we can get locked in a very tiny spectrum of masculine energy or feminine energy. And then this notion of broadening the energy and then choosing what is the appropriate energy for that moment. Sometimes when I'm with a client, I can sense that a more nurturing, a more warm, loving energy is required. And sometimes when I'm feeling the, the person is a little bit wobbly and requires some straightening up, then I'll turn on my masculine energy. And when I'm with uh, a business partner, I may be more in the more logical, rational, sort of follow through, seeking, claiming energy. When I'm with my kids, it's much more playful, creative, fun, expressive energy. So the ability to be aware and have a nice spectrum to choose from and how that would impact people in their homes, in their professional lives. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts around that. In my experience, we have the whole spectrum within our being of masculine and feminine energy. Another way to look at these is masculine, I relate to freedom, the urge within ourselves, the calling, the natural essence within ourselves that's seeking and wishing for the fulfillment of freedom, lower freedom, more freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, friendship freedom, freedom to do what I want, when I want, mental freedom, emotional freedom, spiritual freedom, sexual freedom, all so the different gradations and nuances and subtleties of freedom. But freedom is the masculine urge. If you look at very more masculine-oriented movies, they're about constraint into freedom, being locked up, moving into freedom, or seeing a challenge like a mountain, we must overcome it, or two or three or five men versus a whole huge army, <laughs> as an example, okay? That striving desire for freedom is inherent within all of us. Because inherent within all of us, we actually are freedom. But because we've forgotten or the truth of our freedom is obscured, we seek it through superficial external means of freedom. Now, the opposite side of that is feminine. And feminine, another way of equating with feminine, I look at it as flow. And the deepest calling and movement of the feminine or flow is towards love. Freedom and love. Mm -hmm. Love is the consummation of our relationship. The free flow of love and connection, that is the deepest yearning of our feminine flow within ourselves. Now, some of us, by our nature, are more feminine in that spectrum. Some of us are more masculine in that spectrum by nature. And many of us, on top of that nature, have been conditioned by society, by our family imprints, to be perhaps the opposite or somewhere in between, but we're not resonating at our true energetic frequency. We tend to have shells, imprints of what a good man is, what a woman is supposed to be, how a man should be, how a woman should be. And now in this day and age, there's so much confusion of all of that stuff. In our work, we've come to recognize instead of being one or the other, we can illuminate and awaken the whole spectrum of masculine, feminine, or freedom and flow energies within our being. So we could be more appropriate to the moment, as yes. you expressed. Yes. Like a piano keyboard is not just light notes or heavy notes, it's the whole spectrum. And so the more I cultivate that spectrum and the fluidity of that spectrum, 
the more powerful I become. So it's not about your sexual relationship. This is more as you shared. In this moment, I might need to be more challenging with my team. I might need to call upon a greater challenge with my family and my team, some more my masculine. Or I might say, hey, we're going this way and generate a direction and have everyone move along that direction. That's masculine. In another moment, I might call everyone together and just soften the space and say, hey, let's come into relationship. There's too much tension. And I might activate and call upon us to soften our barriers and come to more love, more coherence, more affinity with each other, which is more of the feminine energy of flow. Wisdom is the capacity to wield the whole spectrum. Ignorance is being stuck in one or the other and staying stuck in stuck roles of the past and thinking that's who I must be, and anything deviant from this is off. Wisdom is the whole spectrum embodied. Now, that's the type of leaders that we want for today. Yes, and this body of work is so efficient in giving people access to all the keys on the keyboard, and also about being aligned with the right note at the right time. So again, just profound what's possible. I'll move on to another principle I find very powerful. This is around desire. And I remember as a young entrepreneur, I was at one point in contact with a highly, highly influential people, like elite, world-renowned. And my desire to impress him, I remember hijacked my actual contact with him. And this notion of desire as a decision laced with drama of some sort. And then we speak about desireless, where it's indecisive, aimless, meandering, wandering here, wandering there. And there's a notion of intention, which is decision with no drama. This is something else as well, I think would be so powerful for our listeners to feel into how does it impact them as leaders in their teams and their families and their organizations, the ability to choose intention over desire or desireless. Really well put, Vascar. So all the ancients have warned us that if you keep going down the track of aiming to have all your desires realized, that you'll probably go off track. Why? Because desires create a particular energy field. They create a excess potential in reality, which then draws reality to bounce you off, knock you off with some type of force, a counterbalancing force. If you look at anyone who desires something so much, there tends to be an exhaustion, exasperation, and too much of a leaning into. So embodying the warrior sage way of being is not about eliciting and, and going after your desires. It's about the willingness to have and act upon your willingness to have. So instead of desire, wanting, moaning, whining, pining, yearning for, I wish I could have, I want that, I desire that, even visualizing I desire that, it just, it's the butterfly always goes away when you're trying to catch it. The willingness to have is saying to yourself, and everyone can do this, I am willing to have this. Whatever that goal is, a better relationship, better success in business, better work, better health, whatever it is, the willingness to have is the root of true intention, waverless intention, drama-less intention. You see, struggle is effort that's laced with negative emotion, that's sourced 
in egoic desire. If you have a goal, a desire, or a wish, and you want to accomplish it, turn the desire down and ramp up the willingness to have it. Some people can stay out in the desire of wanting some big accomplishment for years, but they don't lock into the alignment of who they need to be to have that, mm -hmm. to act upon that. What I'm sharing is the willingness to have an act is 10,000 times more powerful than any desires, wanting, wishing. So we need to shift from desire, which is birth or sourced in ego, to the intention of willingness to have, which is what we are. We are creators. When we have that willingness to have and the willingness to act on that, the universe moved towards us. All those things we want move towards us. When we're locked into desire, wishing, wanting, our desires consistently elude us. So I'm reminded of this Zen story about a Zen master going into an archery tournament and he sees the former champion underperforming. And a Zen master makes the observation, his need to win drains him of his power. His need to win. So this is the desire. You know, causing frustration, struggle. Instead of setting the intention, I'm here to hit the target. Exactly. When we lower our emotional embroilment around our intentions and what we wish to manifest, create, and generate through our work, our brilliance, our intellect, our hands, and we're willing to have and act on it, we don't need desire. It just comes. Like in martial arts, the higher you go up, the less moves you do, the less energy you use in any athletic endeavor. The more skillful you become, the less erratic your moves are, the less willpower is needed. Masters can swing one tennis racket with so much power. A beginner's got to like take a lot of energy to wind up. And it's the same in how we lead our lives, how we lead our companies, hmm. how, how we are in our organizations and in our families. Let's move into that. I really want to explore this with you, this notion of leadership, because we're all leading something. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's a small organization. Maybe it's an organization of countless people. The current agreement of organizations is more based on egoic sort of leadership. And then there's a transition that's been happening now for a few decades around peak performance. Yet you are speaking of something that is beyond even this, peak existence. Speak to us about what peak existence is from the perspective of a leader, a team, an organization. We all, whether at home or at work or in business, in organizations, in companies, we're all on a growth arc, a trajectory of evolution. Whether we like it or not, we all are on the curriculum of evolution. The speed in which you grow the concerted efforts that you apply to that path bear immediate direct results. So the arc is we start from ego when we're on the leadership journey. You want to be seen. You want to be heard. You are the one in power. What is power? Am I in power? Do I have enough power? Whether there's self-aggrandizement of the ego or self-diminishment of the ego, that's the egoic stage of business development or leadership. And if we see much of the world's leadership 
they're sourced in ego, gain, personal gain, personal reputation, stances that are for that are against others. This is all ego based. No examples necessary. There are plenty. We have history is the example. Okay. As we move forward into that, as we evolve through the arc of maturity, we go into the path of self mastery. So ego the self, ah, recognizing my ego, recognizing what is my true nature, what is my true impulse, and getting creative and taking on the path of mastery, personal development, personal growth, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That is a noble path uh, to embark on. And many of us have been on that path. You have, I have, many listening have been on this path of ego and developing ourselves into the path of mastery on all levels. There's no end to the path of mastery. But there'll become a point where we have diminishing returns. Who knows when that'll be? You'll feel, even though I'm working on mastering myself, my life, my finances, my companies, my family, there's something yearning in me that's deeper. What that is, it's the call of your soul's evolution for the next stage, which is, not self, not ego, into self-mastery, which is, if you will, peak performance training, all the ways and teachings and philosophies about having more peak performance or biohacking or hacking this, it's all in the realm of mastery, which is excellent. But there's another deeper place, not higher, deeper, I would say, and that is the path of peak existence. Mm -hmm. What does existence look like at its peak for us as an individual? Who am I and what am I that fits into the whole in the most profound way? Yes. When we, like a jigsaw puzzle, fit into the universal order in the exact way we're meant to, not trying to mimic anyone else's shape and fit into someone else's puzzle, but we find what is the puzzle that we are the unique one for, when we make that our endeavor, then boom, dharma awakens. The path unfolds, magic happens, synchronicities occur on a self level as well as on a team level, as well as on a corporate level, and hopefully even on a world level. That's what we want. We want to go from ego to peak performance to peak existence. And that's the path we lay out in our executive leadership training. It's how do we walk along that path with congruency, with clarity, with impeccability, and cultivating the skills, the capacities, the mindset and the embodied way of being to deliver the warrior sage way of, of holding oneself in companies. What does that equal? Success in all dimensions. I, I see this to be so self-evident. You could have the best engineer, scientist, accountant, whatever that expertise is, VP. And if they have some unresolved struggle of self-esteem or if they're in a position where they're struggling in their relationship at home with their family or friends or if their health is struggling physically mentally emotionally spiritually if they're having financial issues or if they're just not having any fun in their life even if they're the best in the world you will not be getting the highest version of them so to me it just makes a lot of sense head heart bottom line that we see everybody as multi-dimensional beings and seeing that they are in peak existence and that's when you're going to really get the best version of them for the good of the person good of the team and good of the mighty purpose the organization serves so this notion of peak existence i feel is business 3.0 and it's just exponentially 
more potent than what's happening right now. You also speak about the five pillars that can harness and bring about this profound transformation from performance to peak existence. Those five pillars are the essential pillars of peak existence in any organization, at any time, at any place. These are timeless principles. The first one is power, and I represent that by this circle. And power represents people power. And people power is the ability to have the highest synergy and master of human dynamics in the organization. It's the humans that make a company. It's us that makes companies successful. So true power sourced in a vision and in a mission that evokes the human power, the human awakeness, the desire to join that. Our responsibility is to craft and evoke a mission and vision that brings in the highest power which is within us. Next is heart, what I call the heart in an organization. That's the corporate pulse, the camaraderie, the flow of communication, the flow of how strong are we together to achieve anything? That's heart, having heart, love, care for each other. Then there's team autonomy, which I call freedom, the ability to make our own decisions, clarity. Where are we stuck in organizations? Where are we stuck in ourselves? Where do we have limiting beliefs? Where's the architecture limiting and causing a lack of freedom? We want to evoke the pillar of true freedom in our organization. And then we have organizational flow. Flow is the next pillar. And flow is, we're looking for where's the constant fires? Where is there jam ups? Always in the company. It's always happening all the time. We want to liberate a company into a flow state. A flow state when things are moving easily and success is happening without struggle. And the last one is operational wisdom. Most companies and organizations are starving for wisdom. We're not tapping into the already inherent wisdom within our teammates, our members. So for us to have that come together in potency is essential. These are the pillars of any successful thriving organization when illuminated, activated, and embodied in the executive team. Anything less than that will be partial and will have consequences. When we activate all these five pillars and train our leadership and how to bring that into the companies and create a company of transformation that attains peak existence and the highest corporate goals, it's not only the way of the future, it's a must. We need it today because quite frankly, high performers aren't interested in just a buck anymore and a higher wages they're interested in having fulfilling environments that inspire their soul, their being, and their camaraderie and teammanship with others. So true. It's activating these five potent pillars, power, heart, freedom, flow, wisdom, in every human being in the organization, in between, and also as a collective, is the work that you're bringing in the corporate environment. You and I have had very deep experiences of transformation in our lives. There's many people listening, leaders who have had deep transformational experiences. Could you imagine if the whole team was having that? What would it be like if the whole team, what would it be like if the whole organization was set up so that depth and transformation was a daily occurrence? What would that mean? And how important is, is that to you, to us as leaders? If it's not, so be it. And if it is important, then this is the time now. We're in a very sacred, special time. 
to realize the true value of life, which is humans, and the human synergy, which is the essence of life's fulfillment. What I love about this body of work is it isn't merely academic and theoretical. It gets real practical experiential right away. And this is the, where we have the tremendous efficiency because we're not dealing with concepts here or intellectual gymnastics. It becomes experientially true. And you have this process of also sustaining it through regular practice, just like you would with, as you mentioned, martial arts, making culture practice, making these five pillars of practice in organizations that becomes a thriving living experience and not just words on a mission statement or some inspiring uh, talk or workshop, which is why uh, I'm so enamored by this body of work and also the way of the warrior sage. And I'd love to land with this notion of the way of the warrior sage and what that would mean in organizations when this quality is embodied in the individual level and the collective level in organizations. You know, we both are students of the Bhagavad Gita. And for those who don't know, it's an ancient Indian teachings. It's a dialogue between uh, the divine, represented by Krishna, and his disciple Arjuna. Both are warriors. Arjuna is a mighty warrior. And if you look at the teachings, they're on a battlefield. They're on a battlefield in the midst of the potential highest duress and tension and warfare. Serious stakes. Well, if we use that metaphor for our organizations, that we're also in some type of ground which requires us to be wise, potent, at our best, at our solid. That's a similar metaphor, if you will, the corporate warrior ground. The challenge is that we haven't been trained on the awakening of the, our way of being, who we're being. We're trained academically. We have models. We have so many rational ways of approach and models and systems and ideologies and frameworks. Very few leaders I know are embodied and are transmissions and living examples that evoke those around them into this natural state of mutual leadership and collaboration. For me, it's really valuable to awaken the warrior sage way of being. The warrior within us is the one that's grounded in truth, impeccability, perseverance, being 100% in whatever you're doing. 99% or less is a slow drip poison to warriors. They know that. They know they'll somehow self-sabotage if they don't earnestly put 100% in. And so those are the warrior sage principles, married with the sage, which is the source of wisdom. Sages, we've called wise people, sages, enlightened masters. Well, guess what? We all have a living, already enlightened sage within us, mm -hmm. already living in our organization. We just haven't learned how to tap into that. So for me, the warrior sage way of being is tapping in, awakening, polishing, galvanizing and solidifying the warrior and the sage within us so that whatever we set ourselves to, home and in work and in business and in the highest aspirational visions, we're able to achieve it. The yang of the warrior and the yin of the sage is a perfect combination already inherent within us, which is being called to be lived 
at its next level, at its fullest level, to meet the demands of our times today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will land with a process that I learned from you, mind clearing, if I may. I'll give you an instruction, whatever comes up. Tell us something that you'd like us to know about you. My heart yearns for the leaders in our organizations to come to the deepest truth of their being so that we can all lift the world up together beautifully. We can all arise together. That's what I really want. That's what I really yearn for. A deep enlightenment for all us leaders who are making positive impact on the planet. Thank you. I've expressed this to you as well. I'll say it again. There's literally a Bhaskar before I met you and a Bhaskar after I met you. This body of work has changed my life dramatically, personally, professionally, in every dimension. The link will be on the notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll share. It's the, the, web, our web, the main website, you can see all uh, is warriorsage.com. So go to warriorsage.com. And for those of you who are in the healing professions, you can go and check out acceleratedevolutionacademy.com. You can find that on warriorsage.com. And all I have to share is, is that we're in beautiful times now. No matter how much rocking and shaking there is around the world, there's an old saying where a fellow prayed to God, said, God, the earth is shaking all around me. Earth is shaking all around me. What am I to do? And God says to the man, relax. It's me who's shaking the ground up. Mm. <laughs> so let whatever needs to shake off, shake off. Because whatever's left will be who we really are. Thank you. Bless. So, dear friend, if this conversation lightened you up in some way and you feel moved to do so, Please comment, like, and share. Above all, let's keep lightening each other up. Until next time.